following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. For brothers and sisters, you and I are poor and needy creatures, and sinners as well, living in a fallen world. God originally created all things very good, but because of the fall, nothing now is as good as it is created to be. As a result, you can easily make a list of all kinds of problems that the world the church and ourselves are facing every day. For example, the country is more and more divided. And you might also notice that groceries are getting more and more expensive due to inflation. And also, you might wonder, or well, if I'm going to get cancer tomorrow, and even if I die tomorrow, how my family is going to survive without me? And also the church as well. The church is getting more and more liberal. Thankfully, not our church here. May God continue to be merciful. And our beloved ones even are departing from faith and the church. So let me ask you, how are you going to respond to these challenges and problems? As a Christian, what would be your default response as you think of all these problems? Well, there are typically two sinful responses. The first is anxiety. We are panicking about what's going on now, and we are fearful about what things are going to be in the future. The other sinful response is complacency. Complacency. We are taking God's mercies for granted, relying on our own strength, forgetting we are what we are only by God's grace. Just because you are not worried does not mean that you rely upon God more. It probably just means that you are self-complacent, forgetting God's mercies. So this is why we need Psalm 23 to remind us how God will care for us as his people and how God will care for us as our good shepherd and how we ought to trust in him as our good shepherd. Psalm 23 is indeed the cure for your unbelieving anxiety as well as your prideful complacency. So what I'd like to show you from this text, Psalm 23, is this. The Lord is your shepherd who provides for you, who protects you, and who pursues you. We will consider three things the Lord does for you as our good shepherd. First of all, the Lord provides for you. Second, the Lord protects you. And third, the Lord pursues you. So first of all, the Lord provides for you. In Psalm 23, David was reflecting how God had dealt with him so kindly and graciously as his good shepherd through his previous afflictions. And shepherd is a metaphor of God's care for his beloved people. A good shepherd will make sure to provide all that the sheep need especially their food, drink, direction, and protection. 
So in verse 1, we see that David, he could confidently declare, I shall not want. And I shall not want means that I shall not lack anything I really need because God fully knows what I need. Because God is fully able to provide for all that I need. And thus God will take the best care of me. In other words, God is all sufficient for you as his beloved people. In verse 2, we see that um, this text further describes how God provides for his people, especially their physical necessities. So look at verse 2 with me. Verse 2, we read, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So we all know that sheep are not as smart. They are dumb animals in many ways. Sheep can hardly find food, water, and cool places by themselves. So sheep fully rely upon the provision of their shepherd. And a good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. They would take the sheep to lie down in green pastures so that they can eat fresh grass and rest on the grassland. A good shepherd also leads his sheep to quiet waters instead of fast-running waters like streams. It is because the wool of sheep can absorb lots of water. And thus, if the sheep happen to fall into fast-running stream, they might be too heavy to get out and might be carried away and get drowned very easily. Just imagine you swim with a very heavy sweater. How would that be? David, he used to be a shepherd, so he must have got this metaphor from his real vocational experience. David must have recalled how God faithfully cared for him when he was on the run, being surrounded and pursued by his enemies, such as Saul and Absalom. The shepherd providing for the sheep is a very vivid picture of how God provides for his people. Like the sheep, we are poor and needy, not knowing how to care for ourselves. And as we daily need God to provide for us, God provides our daily food and drink, shelter and rest, and all the other physical necessities. Everything that sustains your life comes nowhere but God alone. God is the fountain of all good things. As we are told in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights. We normally get provided by working jobs, don't we? Yes. And yet, ultimately, it is still God who provides all the strength, wisdom, resources, and opportunities so that we may work and make a living for ourselves and for our families. Now, in verse 3, this metaphor of shepherd goes on to show how God provides not only for our physical necessities, but also for our spiritual needs as our good shepherd. God provides the right paths for his people. So look at verse 3 with me. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Sheep, let's come back to the metaphor. Sheep are prone to wander and go astray. And they will wander so much so that they would even fall off the cliffs and die. Thus, they rely on the shepherd to guide them in the right path rather than running toward the cliff. In a very much similar way, brothers and sisters, you and I as God's people, we are also prone to go astray from God and His righteous path, His word, His revealed will. And our going astray lead us to spiritual harm. Therefore, as we are told in verse 3, we desperately need God's grace of restoration and guidance for our souls. Whenever our souls are harmed and even damaged by our sinful waywardness, we need God to restore our souls to true repentance and to, to the joy of salvation because our sins really would, would mar us, would take away our delight in salvation. And we also need God to lead us to walk in the paths of righteousness. That is our daily sanctification to put off our sinful deeds and to put on righteousness and holiness. Now, notice with me, the purpose for God to lead us in righteousness. What is the ultimate purpose for God to do so, so graciously to our soul? We are told at the end of verse 3, for his name's sake. God leads and restores you when you are running away. Why is that? Is it because we are so good that God cannot afford to lose us? No, 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 no. It is because God himself is so good. There's nothing in and of ourselves that could ever force God to help us. God extends his shepherding care for us, for our souls, simply because of his covenant loving kindness and goodness and faithfulness. David must have recalled all the bitter moments when he went astray from God by committing adultery and murder, which led to severe consequences to himself and his family. But David must also have recalled the sweet moments when God graciously restored him to repentance and granted him forgiveness and renewed his obedience. Such sweet moments as we are told in Psalm 51. It's indeed, brothers and sisters, a very astounding condescension for God to be your shepherd. Remember, shepherd is a very lowly job in the times of the Bible. And God is the king of kings, full of honor and glory above the heavens and earth. And yet, God still chose to describe himself as a shepherd, lowly job, who stoops to you and offers tender care for you when you are but a messy, miserable, and unworthy sinner. Are you amazed by such kindness? Are you? We should. Your life and breath is sustained through many means by God's providence, your jobs, your families, your health, your medical care, even the fact that you can sit here safely without a roof collapsing and kill you. 
it's easy for you to trust in those means and not God himself as your shepherd. But never forget, it is God, your shepherd, who supplies all these means, and it is God as well who makes these means to be effective and profitable for your blessing. Without the shepherd, you won't have the water and grass you need. So give all the glory and trust to your good shepherd, your triune God, and not those means, much less to yourself. Only the good shepherd deserves your adoration and trust. Perhaps you are struggling this evening with the sin of discontentment. You feel somehow that you lack something you really want. But remember, does not your good shepherd the omniscient God know all that you need. Does he not know all that you need? Does he not know your needs better than you yourself knows your own needs? The Lord is calling you this evening to trust in him as your shepherd for all that you need. The Lord is assuring you as well that in him you shall not lack anything you truly need. You might lack something you want because your all-wise shepherd does not see fit or good for you. But you will never lack anything you really need because your shepherd cares for you. Jesus, your shepherd himself, is all-sufficient for you no matter what happens to your life. Are you struggling with certain sins, spiritual darkness, well, let me encourage you to take comfort that he's ready and able to restore your soul by granting you forgiveness as soon as you repent of your sin. Take action as well to mortify your sins and endeavor for new obedience. Trusting your shepherd is willing and able to lead you in a path of righteousness. When was the last time? You ask the Lord to restore your soul and lead you in the path of righteousness. You need such restoring grace every time you sin against Him. Or do you rely on your shepherd only for physical needs while you neglect your spiritual needs? Verse 4 and 5 goes on to show us how God, as a shepherd, protects and defends His people from evils so that they may fear no evil. Look at verse 4 with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So again, this is a very vivid picture of how God will protect his people. The sheep may walk stupidly through the valley of the darkness of shadow, being in danger from beasts at any moment. Similarly, living in such a fallen world, we are surrounded by all kinds of evils, whether illnesses, disasters, or harms done by other human beings, or even our own sins. And most of the time, we just cannot predict when and how such evils will fall upon us, just like the dangers that come out of darkness which makes it even more dangerous. Now, in this metaphor of shepherd, 
the shepherd uses two things. One is rod. So a rod is a short, sturdy wooden stick to fight off wild animals and to number the sheep, making sure that none is lost. So similarly, God protects us by fighting our enemies, restraining evils, and making sure that none of his elect will be lost. No evil can ever fall upon us except in God's most wise and holy providence. As we are told by Jesus in Matthew 10, are not two sparrows stored for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. We are also told by Jesus in John 10, none of Jesus' sheep will perish. My sheep, Jesus says, hears my voice, and I know them, and they follow me and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. The shepherd also uses another tool, a staff. A staff is a long wooden stick with a crook at the end to keep the sheep within the safe distance, and sometimes even to pull back the stubborn sheep back to the fold. Similarly, Although we are, we are prone to wander, yet God graciously promises to guard and preserve us by his power so that we may persevere in faith and obedience to the very end. Believers are those who are preserved in Jesus Christ, as we are told in the book of Jude, verse 1. Believers are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, as we are promised in 1 Peter 1.5. Because God powerfully overcomes and restrains evils and preserves his own people, we can say confidently with the psalmist, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Are you ready, brothers and sisters, to go through the valley of the shadow of death as part of your normal Christian life. Do not be deceived by the false teaching that says, as long as you trust in the Lord, you will be healthy and wealthy and everything will be fine. No, this is a satanic, evil lie which disarms Christians from being ready for this evil generation. Are you struggling with fear? If so, what do you fear? The future economy of this country, your own health, or how other people look at you? You are fearing men. Remember, brothers and sisters, and take comfort that the Lord, your good shepherd, is always present with you through Christ by the Spirit. He's always restraining evils that could have happened to you He's always preserving your faith that otherwise would have been lost. No harm can ever befall you except what God has ordained for your good and for, your, for His glory. If any harm ever happens to you, it is only by God's holy will 
for your sanctification. Now, in verse 5, this metaphor shifts slightly from the sheep field to the battlefield, showing that God's protection leads to victory. Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. So here, the table refers to a feast to celebrate victory in a battle. Anointing the head with oil refers to the establishment of kingship. The overflowing cup refers to the abundance of a king. So this is a picture borrowed from the real experience of King David. God promised that David will be the king of Israel. Samuel anointed David to be the future king of Israel. But such a promise was not without challenges. You all know that Saul did all that he could to dishonor and destroy King David, sending his army and special forces to assassinate David. But it was never successful. Why not? It is because the promise-keeping God, David's good shepherd, always protected David and ensured that David would become the king of Israel in victory. No matter how powerful or wealthy Saul was, no matter how Saul conspired to take David's life, God will still give the kingship to David and God will bless David abundantly according to his infallible plan. The victory of David in Psalm 23 is but a foreshadow of the victory of Jesus, the Son and the Lord of David. Think about this. As the God-man Messiah, Jesus was betrayed, mocked, beaten, whipped, stripped, and crucified. He suffered sorrow, pain, shame, death under God's wrath and curse for your sake. And yet, all these sufferings and shames did not lead to his failure, but led to his victory, decisively defeating the power of Satan and sin. Because of his humble obedience, even to the point of death, the death on the cross, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. You see the victory over victory in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus. And all true believers, you and me, as we are in union with Christ, and as we are also partaking of his glorious victory, one day when he returns, we will also reign with him. Let me ask you this. Do you realize that your enemy, your biggest enemy, Satan, is also seeking to dishonor and destroy you by tempting you to turn away from God just as Saul did to David? Do you understand that the only reason that you would not totally lose your battle, but you will eventually win the battle, is because God has won the battle through the cross of the Lord Jesus. Do you understand that? 
Do you rely on Christ to fight the devil daily by praying steadfastly and by sticking to God's word faithfully rather than succumb into temptations and deceptions of Satan? Do you? We have seen two very beautiful pictures regarding God's shepherding provision and protection as our good shepherd. Now, this passage, Psalm 23, will show us how God will pursue you as your good shepherd. So thirdly, God pursues you. As a good shepherd, God will pursue his people with loving kindness and goodness, as Rhea told in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. Verse 6, Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here, notice the Hebrew word for follow in the passage, in verse 6. The Hebrew word for follow can also be translated as pursue, which perhaps better capture the real meaning of this text. God's dealing with his people is not merely keeping them alive and surviving just like you keep your pets. No, there is much more to it. Rather, God approaches and draws near to his people actively, personally, passionately, and purposefully in order to fellowship with his beloved people. We are told in verse 6, how God pursues his people. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. So here you see two of God's attributes are personified, representing God himself. So it is essentially saying that God himself will follow and pursue me with his goodness and his loving kindness. So what do we mean by loving kindness and goodness? Well, goodness means God's intention and commitment to doing good to his own people. Loving kindness means God's steadfast love to his people on the basis of his gracious covenant. And these two, loving kindness and goodness, they are inseparable because God keeps his covenant loving kindness to us by constantly, faithfully doing us good. God has no obligation. God has no obligation to love and do us good. Does he? No, he has no obligation to do so. And yet, God still voluntarily condescends and binds himself to love us and to, good, and to do good to us by way of his gracious covenant. His loving kindness and goodness is the fountain from which flows his provision and protection for you. His goodness and loving kindness endures forever, as David said in verse 6, all the days of my life. In other words, no matter what happens, even when we are brought very low, even when we commit grievous sins, even when there seems to be no light in our life, nevertheless, God's goodness and loving kindness remain the same and will continue to pursue us unto all eternity. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. For the love of God 
is in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are assured from Romans chapter 8. The, the Apostle John also tells us in John 13, Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Do you hear that? God's love for us will never be hindered nor be diminished. No, his love endures forever. As we experience God's pursuit of his loving kindness and goodness, our hearts should be touched and delighted. And we should therefore desire to be with God all the more, as we are told in the second part of verse 6. So look at verse 6 again. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of God refers to the temple in the Old Testament where corporate worship was offered to God. So it represents God's presence with his beloved people. For David, receiving all the physical provision and protection from God did not make him focus on the things on earth alone. No, rather, these temporal blessings in this life point him to heavenly blessings that is being with his God forever, being with his God of covenant himself. God preserved his earthly life, not only for the sake of his earthly life, but for the sake that he may be involved more and more in the heavenly life with God. That is the, his portion forever. The goodness and loving kindness of God should amaze you, brothers and sisters. Who can ever say to another person, I promise to be kind and good to you all the days of your life? No, certainly no mortal man can ever say that. We all know that our love is but fallible and feeble, but it's not so for God. Aren't you glad for that? If God can ever be if God can ever fall short of his love for you, how terrible would it have been? Thanks to the Lord, his loving kindness endures forever for you, his people. God will never be tired of showing perfect goodness and loving kindness to those who belong to him. Praise the Lord for such unfathomable love for you. Are you, brothers and sisters, struggling with assurance of God's love? Are you doubting if God still loves you because somehow you committed certain sins that really bothers you. Even after you repent and ask for forgiveness, you still doubt whether you will lose the love of God. Is that you? If so, let me encourage you. Look at David's life. Even though David was a former adulterer and murderer, nonetheless, God's goodness and loving kindness follows him all the days of his life. It is on the basis of God's goodness and loving kindness that God led David to repentance and restore his fellowship with God. As long as, therefore, as long as you believe in Christ and truly repent of your sins, you can be assured that God's goodness and loving kindness is also following you and pursuing you 
unto all eternity, all the days of your life. Not that your faith and repentance can ever earn God's love, but rather God's love causes you and encourages you to repent and believe. God has been very gracious in his care for you, your food and your drink, your salvation through Christ by the Spirit. But, but let me ask you, do all these benefits move you to desire and cherish God more and more because he's so kind and good? Or are we merely focusing on the benefits of God rather than God himself? Do you receive all the good things from your good shepherd, and yet you forget the shepherd himself, and even see these things as more important than your shepherd himself? You and I are sinners. We are deserving nothing but God's curse and wrath. So you must ask this question. Why then can God still be so kind and your good shepherd, even though we are sinners, why would God be so kind to us without destroying us as sinners? Well, it is because your good shepherd, Jesus Christ, he has purchased the right for you to be God's sheep by laying down his own life in your place. As we just read a moment ago in John 10, Christ has suffered hunger and thirst so that you may receive food and drink just as the sheep feed on the green pastures and drink in quiet waters, Christ suffered separation from his loving Father in sorrow so that you may rest on God's presence in comfort. Christ was handed over to the torturing of his enemies so that you may celebrate victory over the enemies at the table in the presence of your enemies. Christ, his head was pierced by the crown of thorn so that your head may be anointed with oil in blessing. Christ drank the cup of God's full wrath for your sins so that you may drink the cup of overflowing with blessings. He was rejected and crushed by God as your substitute so that you may be received and cared for by God as his sheep. Praise the Lord Jesus, who is your good shepherd, who has laid down his life for you, who has purchased the everlasting right for you to be the beloved sheep of God. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus as your good shepherd, so that he's pursuing you with everlasting loving kindness and goodness? Or are you still rejecting Jesus and as a result you are still under his curse and wrath? If that's your case, let me urge you, repent and believe in Jesus so that he will be your good shepherd while you still can. Today is a day of salvation. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.